In A New Hope, old Ben Kenobi tells Luke Skywalker that the Force is an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, penetrates us, binds the galaxy together. Now that's a terrible Alec Guinness impersonation, but I am really glad you're here. I'm Jay, and this is The Spirituality of Star Wars, a special podcast serial from the Story Geeks produced by the Reclamation Society. What is the Force? Who are the Jedi and the Sith? And what in the world is the Journal of the Wills? We're diving deeper into these concepts while also comparing and contrasting them to the spiritual perspectives we find in our own galaxy. Let's make this a conversation. I'll share my own spiritual perspectives, but I would like to hear your perspectives as well. So leave us a comment on Facebook or shoot us an email at thestorygeeks at gmail.com. There's also a YouTube version of this episode. So if you want to see me talking about this, I also have a couple of graphics to show here and there. And of course, you can always interact with other viewers on our YouTube channel. The link to the Story Geeks YouTube channel is in the show notes. Today's topic, what is the Force? And then what similarities and differences exist between the Force and our own spirituality? I'll be sharing my own spiritual perspective on the Force and on what I really believe in real life. Let's break down old Ben Kenobi's basic description of the Force, and I will spare you my Alec Guinness impersonation this time around. He says, it's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, penetrates us, binds the galaxy together. And the most notable point in that explanation, to me, the Force isn't a god. It's not a deity. An overwhelming majority of the world's population does believe in a deity of some kind, but George Lucas avoided that altogether, and it's sort of genius. Energy is a fascinating term because it's equal parts mystic and ethereal, and yet scientific and rational. We use the term energy to describe electricity and fuel and even calories, but we also use it to describe ghosts or how we feel when we're excited or nervous. And we even give energy positive and negative attributes. So why is it genius for George Lucas to call the force energy? Because the term is ubiquitous. It's relatable to just about everybody. It leaves room for spirituality and science. If you're a person of faith, it's highly likely that you can buy into it. If you're an atheist or an agnostic, it's highly likely that you're okay with it too. I'm a big fan of George Lucas using this term, but what do you think? Do you like the term energy field to describe the force? And how does the term energy fit into your own spiritual perspective? The next part of Obi-Wan's explanation is probably the most controversial. He says that the force is an energy field created by all living things. Most major world religions have a creation narrative wherein God creates all living things. The opening line of the Bible, for example, is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that that actually refers to God creating the universe itself in its totality, not just the earth or life on earth, but the entire universe. And that brings up another key distinction in spiritual perspectives. If living things create the force, the force is part of the fabric of the universe. But does it exist outside the known universe? I won't dive much deeper into the concept of the living force versus the cosmic force, not on this episode. But even if we did go there, there's not much evidence of the force existing outside the boundaries of our universe. And why is that a distinction? Well, if you believe like I do that God created the universe, that means that he exists both within and external to our known universe. 
The force, however, exists only within the universe. And to me, that just speaks to there being more evidence that the force is not intended to be a deity. But let me pause again there. What about you? Do you believe in God? If so, is he, she, or it bigger than the known universe or constrained to it? Or do you think I'm wrong and that the force is supposed to be seen as a deity? That's what George Lucas intended. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Old Ben Kenobi goes on to say that the force surrounds us, penetrates us, binds the galaxy together. We see evidence of that in the films for sensitive people like Rey and Luke and Vader, Qui-Gon, Yoda, Obi-Wan. Most of the force users we see use the force to move objects through space. They let the force flow through them as well, even meditating in the force. And we have examples of different characters being bound together, both through their destinies and their connections. And here's where many people, maybe even you, find distinct similarities between the Force and their own spiritual perspectives. Do you feel like you were made to do something specific, maybe even called to it? Have you ever felt tied to other people? Some of you are probably rolling your eyes, but others may be nodding their heads. I love the description of the Force surrounding us, penetrating us, and binding the galaxy together, because as a Christ follower, I also believe God does those very things. So I want to read a story from the Bible that sort of showcases that for me personally. And maybe you can find some similarities in your own belief system. I will admit that the story is a little long, but stick with me here because I think it's pretty fascinating. In a Samaritan town known as Sychar, Jesus and his entourage stopped to rest at the historic well that Jacob gave his son Joseph. It was about noon when Jesus found a spot to sit close to the well while the disciples ventured off to find provisions. From his vantage, he watched as a Samaritan woman approached to draw some water. Unexpectedly, he spoke to her. Jesus asked, Would you draw water and give me a drink? The woman responded, I cannot believe that you, a Jew, would associate with me, a Samaritan woman, much less ask me to give you a drink. Jews, you see, have no dealings with Samaritans. And as a side note, as I read this, um, at this time, a man never really approached a woman like this in public. So Jesus is breaking acceptable social barriers even during this confrontation. Jesus then said, You don't know the gift of God or who is asking you for a drink of this water from Jacob's well. Because if you did, you would have asked him for something greater and he would have given you the living water. She responded, Sir, you sit by this deep well, a thirsty man without a bucket in sight. Where does this living water come from? Are you claiming superiority to our father Jacob, who labored long and hard to dig and maintain this well so that he could share this clean water with his sons, grandchildren, and cattle? Jesus said, Drink this water and your thirst is quenched only for a moment. You must return to this well again and again. I offer water that will become a wellspring within you that gives life throughout eternity. You will never be thirsty again. The woman replied, Please, sir, give me some of this water so I'll never be thirsty and never again have to make the trip up to this well. Jesus said, Then bring your husband to me. She responded, I do not have a husband. To which Jesus responded, Technically, you're telling the truth. But you've had five husbands and are currently living with a man who you're not married to. The woman responded, Sir, it is obvious to me that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped here on this mountain, but your people say that Jerusalem is the only place for all to worship. Which is it? Jesus told her, 
Woman, I tell you that neither is so. Believe this, a new day is coming. In fact, it's already here when the importance will not be placed on the time and place of worship, but on the truthful hearts of worshipers. You worship what you don't know, while we worship what we do know. For God's salvation is coming through the Jews. The Father is spirit, and he is seeking followers whose worship is sourced in truth and deeply spiritual as well. Regardless of whether you are in Jerusalem or on this mountain, if you do not seek the Father, then you do not worship. The woman said, These mysteries will be made clear by he who is promised, the Anointed One. Jesus replied, The Anointed is speaking to you. I am the one you have been looking for. The disciples returned to him and gathered around him in amazement that he would openly break their customs by speaking to this woman. But none of them would ask him what he was looking for or why he was speaking with her. The woman went back to town, leaving the water pot behind. She stopped men and women on the streets and told them about what had happened. She would say to them, I met a stranger who knew everything about me. Come and see for yourselves. Can he be the anointed one? A crowd came out of the city and approached Jesus. So I'm going to stop there. It's really a fascinating story. But you're probably thinking, what in the world does that story have to relate to this topic? Because it speaks on a lot of different topics. Well, I'd like to point out two things to you. The first is that it shows us that God surrounds us. Jesus had never met this woman before, but he knew that she had had five husbands and even that her current boyfriend wasn't really her husband. How would he know that unless he's omnipresent? He surrounds us. Secondly, he didn't only know about her behaviors. He also promised to be a fountain of life for her. And he knew that she would be responsive to his message. In fact, he told her, I'm the one you've been looking for. He knew her heart and her feelings. Very similar to Obi-Wan's description of how the force penetrates us. And what about binding us together. What do I believe about God binding us together? Well, this passage doesn't necessarily say much about that, although it does indicate that salvation is coming through um, Jesus Christ, and therefore there's a certain binding together of peoples all through that narrative or that story. But I think another passage is actually very instrumental in our understanding of that topic, at least from my perspective as a Christ follower. And in that passage declares outright that God holds everything together. And that's literally from Colossians. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's referring to God. So as you can see, all three of the things that Obi-Wan talks about are all listed here in several stories that come out of the Bible. And as a Christ follower, that is one of the sacred texts that we use. And those are just two examples, those two passages that I gave, amongst many others. In fact, for those of you who know the Bible, you may be thinking of other or even better examples. For me, Obi-Wan's explanation of the Force sounds incredibly familiar. I understand it because my own spiritual perspective is tied to some of the same principles that he's expressing. I would say the same things about God that Obi-Wan says here about the Force. So before I get into a quick recap, I'm sure that some of your own spiritual perspectives are reflected either in the story I just read out of the Bible or in Obi-Wan's description of the Force. So I would love to hear some of your thoughts about that. Let's go ahead and recap where we've been. First, the force is an energy field created by all living things. It is distinctly not a deity, at least the way I see it. It does surround us, penetrate us, and it binds the galaxy together, as some might claim God does, like I claim myself. The force is part 
of the fabric of the universe. In my belief system, God is as well, but God created the universe, which means that God is both within the universe and greater than the universe itself. And because of these key points defined by George Lucas in A New Hope, the force is nearly ubiquitous in its relatability, which is probably why so many across the globe love Star Wars, like me, and probably like you. Well, that does it for today's episode, but the discussion isn't over. Now it's your turn. What do you think about old Ben Kenobi's definition of the force? And what's your own spiritual perspective? Let us know. Leave us a comment or send us an email at thestorygeeks at gmail.com. If you make a comment or send me an email, I will even read some of those comments and emails on future episodes as I'm able. And speaking of future episodes, in our next episode, we'll be discussing our feelings and how they relate to the force. Of course, we'll also relate that to our own unique spiritual perspectives. One really important note, the next episode will only be available to Patreon subscribers. Every other episode in this series, so half the episodes in this series, will be released to the public, just like this one. It'll be on our podcast, it'll be on our YouTube channel. But the other half of the episodes will only be available through Patreon. What in the world is Patreon? Well, it is a platform that allows us to release exclusive content and unique benefits to Story Geeks subscribers and supporters. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, we just started it. Please consider subscribing. You'll get access to all of our exclusive content and some other super cool perks as well. And you can subscribe for only $3 a month. You'll get access to all of the exclusive content, including this series. The link to Patreon is in the show notes. Please consider becoming a subscriber. Thanks for listening. Please keep in touch and look for the Story Geeks on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And as we always say, question everything and always seek the truth.